Okay, so welcome to the first pod. I've got with myself today, Josh Bunting. Josh was had a busy weekend. Um, he's been to loads of games. We're going to talk about that now. So I'm Gareth Steen. You can find me on Twitter at Gareth underscore Steen. Um, we're going to be doing this every week, talking about all the uh, wide range of football topics. But to start with, Josh, just tell us how your weekend went. Yeah, it was amazing, you know. Who, anybody who doesn't know me, um, I'm at Bunting Football on, on Twitter. Um, and if you see my Twitter, you'll know that I absolutely adore football. So, um, first of all, on uh, Saturday, I went to Sunderland versus Watford. And then on Sunday, I took a short trip to St. James's Park. In the away end, if there's any Sunderland fans <laughs> who know me and are listening, in the away end. Uh, <laughs> and then on Monday, uh, on Monday, I went to the Women's Champions League final. Um, I also write for Arsenal Women. Um, so I went to Arsenal uh, against Wolfsburg on Monday in the Champions League, which was... I know we're going to talk about it, Gareth, but it was a it was an incredible experience. It was an incredible semi final, but ultimately, a absolute heartbreak at the end. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, um, as we're reading about it today. Um, it was it was a historic evening. Well, let's start there because that's 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 fresh in mind. So it was a historic evening for Arsenal ladies. Um, you know, uh, end at five, five four uh, after extra time. Wolfsburg got the goal in the, the last minute of extra time. So, like you said, really, really tough finish there. I'm sure you'll agree, though. Um, as you follow follow the Arsenal ladies, you know we, we can't really escape the talk about the the injuries that really did hurt Arsenal. Yeah, I think you know hmm. when you when you look at over the two legs and you look at who look to be fair, look who they've missed for the majority of the season. When you look at Top goal scorer Viviana Minema and obviously Beth Mead, who was so pivotal in, in England winning the Euros. And then obviously uh, a few weeks ago here in April, the, Leah Williamson, um, her ACL went, went as well. And Kim Little's out for the season with, with a hamstring injury. So there's four key players that I've just mentioned alone that honestly, it's, it's hard not to to make. I'm not, it's, not, it's not an excuse, I wouldn't say it's an excuse, but it's hard not to look at those four players and think. The way that the tie panned out, if they had been yeah. playing, if they had been playing, then Arsenal, I think, would have won the game. So, mm-hmm. you know, I thought Arsenal over the two legs were absolutely brilliant. Um, and obviously Laura Veen Rother, she went off last night. I'm not sure what what the problem is there, but it does look like another ACL injury, which would take it up to four ACL injuries in in, in one season, which I've never heard before. I think that's absolute madness. So, you know. Yeah, the injuries were obviously a big, big key factor, in my opinion, on how Arsenal eventually went out off the tie, but ultimately proud of how off those available played, because I thought over the two legs, they more than matched an extremely strong Wolfsburg team with hardly any injuries. Yeah, well, like you said, you know, strong Wolfsburg team. They are they are now through to their third final world play, Barcelona, who, you know, overcame arguably the... The, the informed team in England, Chelsea, in the other semi-finals. So, you know, like you said, they, they can be proud of that. Um, I've said there is Wolfsburg's third final. Now, this was Arsenal's first semi-final since 2013, you know, so 10 years. Uh, and, and like you said, agonisingly close to getting to the final. Uh, well, so tell us how that, you know, we know it went to extra time. It was two all in the first leg, two all in the second leg after 90 minutes. But... Um, who do you think that deserved to go through? You know, based on based on last night alone, you know, who had, who had the greater chances? Did Wolfsburg steal it at the end, or, or was it a pretty close game, Josh? It was a very, very. I mean, like, to be honest, it was a very, very close game, and I, I, I'm not even being biased. I'm, I'm being as, as neutral as I can be, but 
I honestly think I thought Arsenal played the better football last night. Um, obviously they've had a goal disallowed as well uh, okay. by Stenius that was offside. Um, and I, 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 it was one of those things that once the ball went in, I never felt confident that it was going to be allowed. I just thought you just made a run a little bit too, a little bit too early. Um, so yeah, I, I thought, and then Palova had a brilliant, brilliant chance just after Blackstenius had scored. You know, ball by Katie McKeon into Palova, who just took an extra touch. And if she gets a shot away, I think she scores. And it's 2 0 Arsenal. And if it goes 2 0 Arsenal at that stage, well, then mm-hmm. I think it's a very, very long way back for Wolfsburg. Um, over the two legs, I honestly feel, honestly do feel that Arsenal did deserve to get to the final. Yeah. They, they, they worked their socks off. They give absolutely everything over the mm-hmm. two legs. Wolfsburg, for me last night, showed just the quality of their attacking players. Because they haven't had all that many chances. Manuel Zinsberger hasn't had all that many saves to make. But they've had, in the, in the first half, they had one real, and it wasn't even a clear-cut chance. It was just a, it was poor defending from Arsenal, I thought. They were too slow to get out. And when Jill Lord gets in around the, the box, you know, can't really give her a free shot on target because she will score. Um, and then the, the second goal is a set-piece, Alexander Pop. Big, 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 big attacker, and you know there wasn't anything special, but it was a corner that Arsenal just didn't defend well enough, and yeah. and, 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 and pop pounds, and obviously the winner is a is a very unfortunate mistake from Lotto Wibbenmoy, who I thought was exceptional over the two legs, and if I was Serena Vigman, the England manager right now, I when when you look at the summer coming up, the World Cup, no Leah Williamson. Maybe not Millie Bright. We'll see how how sort of how, how her knee recovers between now and the end of the season. But if that was an addition for a centre back to, to to go to the World Cup, then I think Lotto would be more has to be on the plane. But just unfortunate she got caught in possession and like I said, like a, a team as killer uh, as Wolfsburg and an attacking sense, they will punish those type of errors. Yeah, so so like you said, it's it, you know there's not much in these games at that that stage of the competition. You know, looking to get into the final, there's there's very 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 little in it between the two teams. Um, hopefully, Arsenal come back strong from this um, next year. You know, they can they can build on that experience. Like 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 I said, Wolfsburg have done there as well. Um, a lot to play for this season, though. Like you said, there's there's places up for grabs for for the Women's World Cup. Um, and how do you think Arsenal's season is going to end up from here? Um, you know it's 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 all about qualification for the Champions League for next year. Yeah. Uh, for those who aren't aware, if you finish in the top three in the WSL, you're in the Champions League, and if you finish outside of it, then obviously you're not in Europe at all. So Manchester United, they're obviously they're top of the minute, and and Chelsea, I think they're shooting for Europe. I think they're going to finish in those top two places. It's just in the order, which I still think Chelsea will win the league. Um, and I think Manchester United will come second and then now it's all about third for Arsenal Manchester mm-hmm. City obviously they won at the weekend against Reading so they're they're in there at the moment and Arsenal have Leicester on Friday night quite a quick turnaround from Monday in terms of your preparation um, Leicester at Meadow Park Leicester have improved rapidly on their, on their Willie Kirk they look in, in December it looked like relegation in the WSL had all but all but been confirmed, but Willie Kirk just came in and they are very much 
they're, they're in a good place right now. They beat Liverpool on Saturday, so they're coming into the game with real confidence. Arsenal, obviously, last night, um, mentally, I think, it's, it's going to be hard to recover from. So the aim for Arsenal in the last few games of the season is to finish third, and they've still got they've got a good run of fixtures apart from obviously the the penultimate day away to Chelsea, who could still be in that title challenge, which I imagine them to be still in that title challenge. I think the title race in the WSL will go to the very final day, so Chelsea will need to win that game. And even if they didn't need to win that game, I think they'd try to be relentless against Arsenal anyway. But the point is, I think, you know, Arsenal, the aim now is to finish third and, and, and get into that European spot ahead of next season. Yeah, so so like I said there, we've now really got four really strong teams in the league, which can only be a good thing, um, can really push each other on in the league uh, domestically and, and in Europe as well, uh, and obviously make a, a strong strong team for England in the World Cup. So we will be coming back with Josh um, regularly to discuss this, especially given, given previews of the World Cup. So that, that was last night, um, disappointment there, but like you said, they can be very proud of how they performed with all those injuries. Um, I want to actually just a, a quick mention for uh, one of the Arsenal players who was was had battling cancer. Actually, scored last night. I saw you mention it on Twitter. Yeah, um, Jennifer Beatty. You know, it's actually quite fitting because you, you talk about that that twenty thirteen team. Um, the last time to get in the Champions League semi final, well, Jennifer Beatty was actually in that squad. So you know. And, and and here and here we are in 2023, and she's still playing for Arsenal. But yeah, you know, Jen was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, I think two December's ago, if I'm right in saying that. Um, so you look, I mean, incredible that she's even playing football. Never mind sworn in a semi final of a Champions League tie at uh, a sold out Emirates Stadium in front of a, a record crowd for women's football uh, at Arsenal uh, in England as well. So. Um, yeah, look, it's a sensational achievement, and it's just a, it's quite a motive, really. Um, and it was sort of, you know, it was just she deserved it. After everything she's gone through, it was just, it just felt like a, a huge moment, and you could feel the Emirates. Like, obviously, you, you're you're delighted that you've scored, but when you read into it, you know, like what she has gone through over the past couple of years. Well, and yeah, it's it's an absolutely incredible moment. Yeah, uh, absolutely, Joyce. So well, well done, Jennifer Beatty. Um, came back, came back from uh, the battles with cancer, and like you said, you know, a part, a part of that team for a long time now. So um, you mentioned there as well, sellout crowd. I think it was sixty thousand and sixty three people there. You were, you were amongst that as well. Then you've got the Barcelona as well. You know, they're they're actually selling out, getting bigger crowds than the men. So the women's football is in a great place at the moment, and again, that's why I'm delighted to have Josh joining us, and we will continue to pick up these stories week in week out so that was last night now from a personal point of view Josh you've been to loads of Sunderland games um, this season this time last year you probably didn't fancy your chances of even making it through the League 1 playoffs here you are um, late goal um, cracker goal from Patrick Roberts which is taking it down to the last day the championship is one of the best leagues in the world um, so here we are, and get into the final day where you've got five teams fighting for two spots. Really, Coventry look uh, secure for that spot, but but that how important was that last minute goal for Patrick Roberts? And tell me about the 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 job Tony Mowbray's done and the atmosphere at the stadium of late on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, you know the atmosphere at the stadium, like you know, 
in terms of the crowd and that was another sh- another sold out game. Um, it's generally the best day at the stadium like since the Premier League days. I I think with an absolute doubt, you know, last year we had Jermaine Defoe coming back, um, and and his sort of his his home debut, the return, the return of the king sort of thing, um, mm-hmm. against Doncaster Rovers. That was an unbelievable crowd, but you know, I still think you know you're in the championship, you're fighting for the playoffs, the feel good factors there at the club at the minute. It's a complete new era with the young players, but you know it was just an amazing day, absolutely amazing day. And you know when when you go one 0 down, you think, oh goodness me, here we go again. Sunderland doing a doing a Sunderland at the Stadium of Light. Um, so that crowd, what like it's going to go wrong again? And then obviously Watford score another one from another corner. That was a big problem from Sunderland on Saturday, defending from set pieces. Um. And I, I looked at that game on Saturday and you're thinking, if Daniel Ballard had been playing, if Danny Bart had been playing, I think someone would have won the game. Look when Ian and Trey Hume have been outstanding this season. But if you actually looked at the both goals, the size difference is quite incredible. Watford were the land of the Giants. They were huge. And, you mm-hmm. know, once those two balls came in, both, uh, Ryan Porteous especially, he attacked the ball really, really well for his second goal. But, you know, I, I thought Sunderland were excellent. I thought, I'm going to say we, because I'm a Sunderland supporter. Um, I thought we were absolutely unbelievable um, on, on Saturday, to be honest. I thought we played really, really good football. I thought we were the better side from the the outset, to be honest with yeah. you. I think I was I was a bit frustrated, I'll be honest. I thought, you know, I was when I say I was a bit frustrated, I was delighted that we got the point at the end. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you're 2-0 down. You're playing a team with essentially Premier League players. And now, I know that Watford fans aren't happy and they've sort of said, oh, but their players are giving up and that may well be true. But they've still got a heck of a lot of talent on that side when it comes to the championship. Yeah. So I was, But it was a bit frustrated getting out of the stadium late on Saturday as well. You know, just all Watford have done in terms of going forward is take two corners and we just haven't been able to defend against yeah. them because of the height difference. Yeah. But hey, like Tony Mowbray's done an incredible job, and and on Saturday showed that again. When when Patrick Roberts, you know, he cuts inside, and it's an incredible strike in the top corner. But it, it, for me, it was more than that. It shows you what Mowbray's brought to the club. He's brought fight. He's brought effort, and he's just, you know, two 0 down. The players still didn't give up. They were more determined than anything to get back into that game at two 0 down. And you know, the football was beautiful on Saturday. I thought <laughs> played some really really nice passes to play. Going forward, Daniel Backman's made a few decent saves as well, um, and I thought Watford. I got to be got to be honest. I thought Watford defended really well. Thought they defended their own box brilliantly. Um, but yeah, like he's done a, a fantastic job. If that had been last season, um, without if that had been last season, or dare I say even on the even on the Alex Neal this season, I know it wasn't for very long that he he, he left sort of early on the season, but even under Alex Neal, and this isn't a dig, um, I just don't think we come back in that game. So that's what I think Mowbray's bought. I think he's bought Spurrett, and I think it's just a bit strange maybe, but I think that Mowbray's sort of a father figure to those young players, and mm-hmm. they just sort of, he, he, he puts their arm around them and he's protected them so, so well. So I've loved the work that Tony Mowbray has, has, has done at Sunderland. I think, you know, I think everybody sort of knows, who, who, who knows me, I think he's, my favourite manager in many, many years, and I mean many, many years. I just think, you know, his whole demeanour, his personality, and just what he brings to the club is just, it's just been a 
sheer uplift of just refreshing. Yeah, I mean, for a lot of neutrals, a lot of people who don't follow the League One, I mean, these days people will will maybe associate Sunderland with the the uh, Amazon documentary, you know, where, where you're looking at Premier, people on Premier League salaries playing in the Championship and, and, and probably not just like Tony Murphy, like you said, Alex Neal was there before, you've had other managers, but I, I would like to probably give some credit to the Sunderland owners because they have really turned things around when, of how they've changed the culture at the club, um, replacing those sort of overpaid prima donnas with younger players. Um, Sunderland seems to be a bit of a, a place where maybe clubs like Man City feel comfortable loaning out their players because if they're going to get game time, they're going to get the experience they need. Um, and also, you know, Sunderland have just built a really good young team. But like you've said, Tony Moby's, you know, the father figure that's, that's sort of gelled it all together. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And like you said, like the clubs, like Man City, and obviously Manchester United have, have loaned us players because um, they know that we're going to develop them. Um that Manchester United Loney has uh, he's certainly made a big impact. Um, yeah, for, for for anyone, um, we we know Joyce is he's talking about Ahmed Diallo there, and you can actually find jo- Joyce. Um, you'll, you'll find if you if you, if anyone knows Joyce, he, he's out and about at these games. He always gets picture taken with someone. So Joyce was pictured with Ahmed Diallo, so you can check that out on Joyce's Twitter. But yeah, what what a player to have, and fair fair play to him for dropping down to you know a championship that probably didn't didn't really have ambitions for a promotion but but the player and the club are, are allowing that to happen and, and that's like what I said Sunderland is, is a, a place that players feel comfortable going to knowing they're going to get game time yeah absolutely and I like we speak about Ahmad when when it was first announced that someone had were interested in him um, in August I I was really really happy with it but for the life of me and I'll be completely honest, I never expected him to make the impact that he has made. I, I knew he was a good player. Like Obviously, I'd seen glimpses of him at Manchester United. He scored in the Europa League against AC Milan. Um, yeah. And then, obviously, went to Rangers. That Ross County debut looked electric. And maybe it, it just didn't work out at Rangers, maybe. I, for whatever reason, I think, you know, the old firm game or the Glasgow Derby or whatever it's called nowadays. Um, but we'll not get into the politics behind that. Um <laughs> I think you know the Celtic beat them three three nil at, at Parkhead, and you know there was a lot of Rangers fans or that that give Diallo a lot of uh, a lot of not not abuse abuse is the wrong word but made him sort of a scapegoat um, mm-hmm. in that game and yeah kind of never recovered from it. He had a sort of the end of his Rangers spell. He, he started to perform again, um, but when he came to Sunderland, I was excited. Like I was really really excited. I thought you know. The boy has a lot of talent. Look at the price tag off him. It says it alone that he's obviously a very, very, very good player. Um, but yeah, look, to be honest, I would never have imagined the impact that he's made. I think he's been absolutely outstanding. Um, and if Manchester United want to give him back to us, then feel free. Please yeah. do. Um, but look, I mean, yeah, he's been absolutely fantastic. And then you've got other lone players. You know, we had Jack Clark. Obviously, obviously he's a permanent signing now. Mm-hmm. But... When I looked at Jack Clark last season in League One, I can again this see like I thought you're a good player. I thought he, I'll be honest, I thought he was a good player, but he was frustrating as well because he wasn't releasing the ball quick enough, or he was trying to do a lot of stuff, a lot of things on his own. He was holding on to it for so long, and I thought mm, not sure about you. 
But then this season he's just a completely different player. He's been outstanding, yeah. absolutely outstanding. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, again, Christian Speakman, you know, he's a sort of he's a director of the club as well. Um, he's sort of like the director of football, if you like. But people, you know, they sort of have a bit of issues with him. Um, but he's hasn't really got much. Much wrong to be honest with you. Whether that be a managerial appointment, whether that be signings, it's 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 a good time to be a Sunderland fan. Yeah, well, I mean, you mentioned there Watford. You know, I do have a lot of friends that, that follow Watford. Um, a lot of friends that follow Norwich as well. So there's, you know, Burnley are going to go straight back up. Company done a brilliant job. Didn't really change too much, but financially. Watford and Norwich have, you know, loads of money at the parachute payments and you're outperforming them. You know, you mentioned there maybe a bit of experience at set pieces, but you are outperforming them. There's a bit there's a better more togetherness at Sunderland, which is something for years, you know, you you you've struggled with. But the fans are back, sell out crowds. Um but I just want you to sum up we'll 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 talk about the permutations next Monday in, in the final game, but whether you make the playoffs or not, that this is definitely been a progressive season for Sunderland. And if you don't make the playoffs and get up this season, you know, do you, do you see yourself continuing to to get in these loan players? And do you see some of your better younger players staying at Sunderland? How do you see things um, moving forward with Sunderland? Even yeah, like you say, even if you don't get into the playoffs, it's been an unbelievable season, one mm-hmm. of my favourite seasons in many many years. And I've just I've loved the football that we've played as well. Yeah. The only the only thing that would worry me, um, and I I do think I think I don't think anything changes in terms of you know the transfer strategy. I still yeah. think we will go and get young players in, but the only thing that does worry me if we don't go up, um, I can see Premier League play, uh, clubs sniffing around some players. Yeah. I, think, I was reading already. I think Crystal Palace and Bradford are interested in Jack Clark. Now. I mean, he's had an amazing season, and uh, but that would worry me. And I think Patrick Roberts. I think people will certainly yeah. be uh, will take note of him because they are certain. Mm-hmm. I think they can certainly go and do it in the Premier League without doubt. They're they've got that drive. They've got the quality. They've got the skill. But if I was like I'm a Sunderland supporter, so maybe it's easier for me to say. Yeah. But if I was a Sunderland, Sunderland player right now, there is absolutely nowhere I would rather be than Sunderland. When you look at yeah. just what's happening at the club. You've got the young players coming through. You're playing the football that we are playing. I think it's just a great time to be around the club. Um, but like, we'll, we'll see what happens in the summer. But I think in terms of the transfer strategy, um, yeah. I don't think anything changes. And I was reading the other day that it looks like you know things have already started on the transfer front. I was reading. I can't remember his name. I've never. I like. I love football, as everybody knows. And, I've never even I've never heard of this player to be fair. Yeah. He plays for Hernveen and he's twenty two and I was reading the other day that Sunderland are interested in him. So that's what I mean. Sunderland's transfers have been so unpredictable as well that you just never know who we actually are looking at. Um so yeah, like I don't in terms of transfer strategy I think things are very much gonna be the same for this summer than they were last summer and in January. Yeah. So again, we will pick up a bit more on that when we know the state of play, probably this time next week. But let's just look look at next Monday. So we have Coventry on 69 points in the fifth spot. Uh, probably got the best chance of um, going up. Now, not, not just points wise, just think Coventry, they're, they're in the best form at the minute. Um, they're away to Middlesbrough, who have already um, sort of secured a playoff spot. Millwall are 
they got a they got a rare victory there, um, which which was probably you know frustrating for yourself. Um, that that again that game would have been useful if that was a draw for you, but they are one point behind Conroy on sixty eight points plus eight goal difference. Now they are at home to Blackburn, so really if that was a draw and Sunderland won, Sunderland would then go up to sixty nine points with a better goal difference and snatch the last place and Sunderland you're away to Preston on Monday. West Brom are joint on points with yourselves, uh, they go away to Swansea uh, but you have a better goal difference there, plus 7, you're plus 10. Then really the outsiders, not just for points and goal difference but their, their form has been awful, Blackburn Rovers. They go away to Millwall, like I said, ideally if that's a draw. But then if, if, if Blackburn win and you win, you're, you're going to take it because they're minus three. Um, that's just how great, you know, they went, was it Was it? they went so many games without a draw? Is that what happened? They kept winning yeah. and losing? Yeah. yeah. And, then, and, then, and then they just stopped winning all together and now they're getting draws and, and defeats. So, so there you go. But look at those names involved there and look at the teams they're all playing. So everyone is playing, you know, decent teams. Swansea away, um, Blackburn away to Millwall, you're away to Preston. Uh, and then Covenant away to Middlesbrough, so really, Millwall should be the favourites, uh, given given their you know the, the home support there. Um, so a win for them will be enough. So really, you're, you're hoping for a a Blackburn Blackburn win or draw v Millwall, and then you need to do what you at the end of the day. You need to, you need to go and, and beat Preston. But um, like you said before, it's just just nice to be in that position. The that's how important that last minute um, goal was because a point really keep, keeps you in with a chance. So we'll come back. We'll come back to that on on, on the next pod. Um, you did pick up another game uh, at the weekend, like you said. You you, you climbed the, the famous away end at Newcastle. So what a time to go to St James's Park. I know you're a big Sunderland fan, but um, like I, Newcastle, the, when they weren't weren't doing so good last year, I didn't I didn't really like to see how things were working for them under Mike Ashley. At the time, I was delighted for them getting the takeover, and although it's pushed Spurs out of the top four this year, it doesn't really bother me anyway because um, I think that's what we need. Uh, we need a full reset. But Newcastle have proved that you're able to do that in less than 18 months. You're able to go out with smart recruitment, um, a good manager, and give them the full backing. The owners haven't really got heavily involved, you know, they're not trying to undermine the manager the way Todd Bowley did with Tuchel trying to get Ronaldo in. They've just went and got players that are used to the league, players that Eddie Howe wants. Uh, and then if you look at the other side of thing, look at Chelsea spending, look at Everton spending, and they've went backwards. Newcastle have, you know, arguably the only player that Newcastle have bought that hasn't stayed, stayed in and around the first team was Chris Wood, but he did serve a purpose last year. But every single player Eddie Howe has signed, um, and especially now Isaac is getting games, you know, they, they just look look like a Champions League team. So t tell, tell us a bit about the game, Josh. You were there as a neutral. Southampton took the lead, which was probably good as well, to, uh, being in the away end. But Newcastle showed their class in the end. Yeah. Um, first of all, that climb. If anybody hasn't done that climb before, and our, <laughs> our, our mountain climbers, like, if you live in Northern Ireland, you want to do the Mourn Mountains or you want to even go the Mount Everest, don't even bother. Just go to Newcastle upon Tyne and, and try walking up them steps. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was a crazy climb, but you know, on the game itself, the first half I thought Southampton were excellent, and mm. I thought you know they've just drawn three three away to Arsenal, title contenders. Their confidence is up, and I thought they looked really good, like really really good. They were quick in for tackles. They were 
aggressive. They're, Nick Pope's made a few good saves actually in the opening in the opening ten or so minutes of the game. And you're like, oh, Southampton really do fancy this today. I thought Romeo Lavia was really really sharp in the middle of the park. He was moving the ball. Stuart Armstrong was bright. He obviously scored. Um, good ball in, and and Stuart Armstrong reacts and and he, and he taps it in the net. But when you look at it, you know Newcastle going forward in the first half, Isak. They did pose a threat. Anthony Gordon had a glorious chance. He got one on one, and he just needed to slot it in, and he and he, and he hits the post. And then at half time, Eddie Howe shows what a good manager he is, and it was a strange one anyway because I think you know Cal Wilson is Newcastle's best striker in terms of goals. I think Isak worked works really really well out in the left. I think you know when they played alongside each other, Isak out on the left and Wilson sort of more central. I think that has really, really worked well. And we we saw that again in the second half on Sunday afternoon. Anthony Gordon's brought off at half time. Justified in my opinion. Um thought he was poor. I really did I thought he was poor. I thought he had some great chances and I think he, for a player who and we're gonna talk about price tag again, forty five million or I think it was forty five million that Newcastle paid. Yeah. I think you got it. You have to score then. You have to have to take those chances. But anyway, when Milton came on, Newcastle were unbelievable. They were they just completely changed. Yeah. You know, he completely changed the game. Newcastle were aggressive in the press. They were outstanding in the press. And Southampton, they just couldn't deal with them. It was only a matter of time before Newcastle did equalise, which obviously Cal Wilson pops up and does, which is a really good finish as well. Because he, if you watch the replay, the ball comes in and he slips. So he actually slips and then he gets his... But he has to react real quick to get a shot away and it's an excellent finish. The second goal is a mess from Southampton and that's probably why Southampton will be a championship club next year. You know, they just... It was like a boxing match. It was, you know, the pressure was just telling. It was, you know, Southampton were, were getting boxed onto the canvas and there was only a matter of time before Newcastle did score, which they did really poor defensively from Southampton. And then they, they crumbled um, from then. They just crumbled from that situation. And then Callum Wilson goes and gets a second of the game. Really nice composure, but again, awful Southampton defending. And when you defend like that, when you're in their situation, well, then, to be honest, and I don't I don't want to sound harsh, but you do deserve to be relegated. So, yeah. You have to praise Eddie Howe, you know, half time. He made the change and it it won them the game. Uh, absolutely, um, you know he has set the bar high for himself. It will be interesting, you know. If we get to around Christmas time, they're maybe not doing so good in the Champions League group stages. They're sitting around seventh in the league, so I think that's going to be a test on the ownership. Are they going to follow the Chelsea model, which did work well under Abramovich, but maybe not so under the new owners? Um, Man City. Hopefully, it's not a bit of a Mark Hughes situation where you know he, he was given all the, the money but not not enough time to get further with the players just just because they got they got pipped, pipped to fourth place um, in twenty ten. But um, anyhow, English manager Young. Uh, a few other teams. You know, I think Everton looked at him. I think he um, a few Everton. I think he's some connections with Everton as well, and and, and they didn't go with him. Everton's recruitment in players and managers has been awful. So Newcastle have got a lot right. 
Um, there was a lot of criticism of the ownership, but they do seem to have good football people in there making the right decisions. Like you said with Sunderland, once these uh, good decisions start happening, you know things start moving upwards. Um, you, you mentioned there as well about Newcastle's attack. You know, starting to see Isaac, Isaac and Wilson together. I think now the shackles are off. You know, they're they're looking. You know, definitely got top four. They should really get third now with Newcastle's or with Man United's fixtures. So I think now uh, Newcastle they're starting to steamroll teams, and, and and interestingly they could start to just play. You know, with Joel Linton getting goals there as well, but he's kind of your your hard working midfielder. But he's now getting the goals which we which he was originally brought in for. Uh, I looked at them the other day and I thought they've got like four or five attackers on the pitch. You know, and, uh, no wonder they're getting so many goals. And then, like you said with Southampton, if 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 they're trying to, they're both going at each other. Um, and Southampton just can't can't get goals. They don't really have an out and out goal sco- goal scorer. Newcastle have a couple now. Like Isaac's only started so many games and and and, he, and he's got a good return. Callum Wilson's goal return is brilliant. Um, but yeah, it, it it is. I think it's good for English football having an English manager doing well. There's not many of them about, so another one to test uh, themselves in in the Champions League next year. Newcastle de- deservedly so. I think a lot of other clubs like like Spurs, Chelsea, Liverpool, many other teams can look at them as an example that you can turn things around. If your fans listen to this now, I'm a Spurs fan. I'm on my knees, but we know what we know why. There's the the, the recruitment's not been right. You know, you're saying there about. Sunderland, Tony Mowbray might not be there next year. You don't know what league you're in, but you're looking at players already from here and Veen. I think that's what um, that's what clubs that are, that are operating well. They're not waiting for to see what position they finish in the league for for their budgets, even though which shouldn't be uh, up for debate anyway. They're getting so much money from from TV and the Premier League. Regardless, they shouldn't be looking at European football for their budgets, in my opinion. But definitely. Um, what Newcastle have done, what Arsenal have done this year, without Champions League money, with you know they've attracted big players. With everyone says, oh, Liverpool need to get Champions League to get Jude Bellingham, Spurs need to get Champions League to get this player. That's nonsense. Um, Arsenal and um, in other years, Liverpool, Chelsea have been outside the Champions League and then went on, went on a title charge or, or done well in the, the the division the next year. So. That, that's my opinion on things and um, just really a credit to the, the Newcastle ownership people might not might not like the the sport watching idea but personally um they're, they're, they're doing it the right way so far but like I said the test maybe comes next year to the ownership depending how they get off to the start next season but I can't see any reason why um they're going to struggle um unless they make sort of maybe like you said, Anthony Gordon there, maybe that's the home, you pay the, the premium because he's an English player, 45 million. But Kieran Trippier has been an unbelievable signing. Um, great player at Spurs, I wouldn't have called him a leader, so he's looks like he's took a lot out of uh, Diego Simeone's. You know, some people phone into the, the football phone-ins every week complaining about the dark arts of Newcastle, the time-wasting. I bet you Kieran Trippier's got a lot to do with that. <laughs> um, so we'll cover a couple of other things here as well. Um, uh, anyone that doesn't know Josh, Josh is a big Cliftonville fan. He does cover a lot of local football as well. He's been to a lot of Cliftonville games home and away this year. Uh, so, Josh, what, what's your thoughts on the next Cliftonville manager? Um, and, you know, maybe a bit of a tribute to Paddy McLaughlin as well. Yeah, you know, first of all, I think Paddy McLaughlin worked the wonders at Cliftonville. Um, when you look at our, our budget, it was, you know, when you look at Lauren, when you look at Glenn Horan, you look at Linfield. Um, yeah, you know the budget is one of 
the lowest in terms of those top six clubs. Um, I know you're a Korean fan, Gareth, as well. So, um, you know, you'll know where I'm coming from here. But, you know, it, 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 it was always going to be extremely hard for Clinton to compete for a league title. Now, last season, uh, obviously, I was, on, I was on Facebook the other day and, you know, we met and the way memories things come up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, hit the memories and, you know, a year ago today, or whenever I looked at it, it was the last day of the season. I was at the Oval and Clinton had just finished second. Um, and last season, obviously, we won the League Cup. And I was coming into the season thinking, how do we realistically improve on that? Yeah. We knew that Lauren were going to. We knew that Lauren had improved. They brought in Leroy Miller, and who's obviously got Player of the Year. Um, and I've been a big advocate for Leroy Miller. I think he's outstanding. Um, and I think that was the missing piece in Lauren's puzzle on how they went on to actually win the league this year. Um, how are you going to compete with Linfield? How are you going to compete with Glen Thorne with the money that they have? And I think even this season, you know, okay, we've had a bit of a mini meltdown towards the end of the season, but it's been another great season in reality. Um, to even be up there and to even be in that same sentence as Clinton in a title challenge, that it still baffles me. I still, the players have given everything week in, week out. Now, obviously, that we're going into the European playoffs. Um, after this, this Sunday, the 7th of May, is the Irish Cup final. This year is in Malamini United. Obviously, mm-hmm. we await to see who loses that, to see who's also, you know, if Crusaders lose it, they are into the, they are in the European playoffs. And if they don't, then, you know, they're straight into Europe. So, we will play Coleraine, I believe. Um, if if Crusaders win that, it's Clinville Coleraine. That will be some crack on this podcast. Um, and then we have Linfield against Glen Avon. Um, but we'll see. Like if, if Balamina win it, then it's Clinville and Crusaders. Um, so uh, you know we've still got Europe to play for. Um, I think I'm a bit pessimistic at the moment when it comes to Clinville. It's I just can't. It's it's very difficult to see how we get into Europe. I just think with the form that we've shown towards yeah. the end of the season, we lost momentum at the worst possible time. Yeah. But on, on the new manager, your question on the new manager, it's I really don't know who 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 comes in after the Crusaders game, the three three game, um, a fortnight ago. I was thinking to myself, Declan O'Hara, do we keep him on as a permanent manager? Because I thought that performance was exceptional. It was the best. It was one of the best performances as a whole that we've played this season. Um, an individual mistakes cost us at the end of that. We, we draw. We, we draw. And then you look at Saturday against Linfield, two 0 defeat. And I don't think it's unfair to say, but I thought Linfield were in complete cruise control the, the whole game. Um, I, I really don't know who we get in. I think you know you have had Dean Shields mentioned. I think Dean Shields suits the style of Clippenville. I think he tries the football that he plays is very much what Clippenville do play. But it's, I don't think, you know, he's finished 11th with Dungana Swifts this year. Second yeah. bottom in the table. Yeah. Do you really want that? I don't think you do. And that's being honest. And I like the guy. And I think he's, I do think yeah. he's a good coach. Yeah. I just don't think he's the right man for Clippenville. Gary Hamilton, another name tweeted about. Would I be happy with that? Absolutely, yeah. But somebody actually 
on uh, sent me a message last night and said, who do you want? And I, I honestly, I, I said, I want somebody that nobody's ever heard of. And that sounds mental, but I want something completely unorthodox, something yeah. out of the blue that you can know, you know, that you don't know what to expect. And you sort of just go sort of on another journey. Because if you're getting Gary Hamilton, you're thinking, right, we're going to produce a lot of young players, which is great, and that's what I want. But you're sort of expecting to, to sort of continue that work that Paddy left on. You're sort of expecting Gary Hamilton to pick that back up again. Um, but with a new manager, I think, you know, you know you've know you just you've just broken the jigsaw and you're starting to rebuild again, which I think is what Clinton need. So I don't know. I honestly don't know who I want in as as Clinton manager, but I I want it to be somebody that not many people have heard of, and it's sort of be something completely rogue and mm-hmm. something unorthodox, and you sort of you start again. I know that's a big risk. I know that's a huge risk. Yeah, but I think it'd be the best possible way for Clinton to go to go down that route to sort of rebuild and you know go again a new play style, etc., etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Josh. And you, you, you mentioned Cliftonville's form there post split. Uh, like, like I said, you know, as a Korean fan myself, Korean are not in the best form at the minute. They they only picked up their first win post split, uh, post split against Larne, who already had won the league at the weekend. You know, good good crowd there again as always at the showgrounds. Three 0 win. Um, a lot of my friends st- stayed around the ground after the they had the. 2004 Irish Cup winning squad uh, there. Um, so a few of my mates chatting to Big G, Garth McCauley, who's part of that squad. You know, there's always a good feel, feel factor around the club. Great, great well-run club these days. But again, um, I spoke I spoke about budgets in the Premier League. You know, it's, it's, the English Premier League obviously is completely different. However, with these European playoff spots, this really does make a massive um, difference to the, the budgets next year and who you can go out and buy. Um, and that, that you actually have to wait until they the, the find out which European competition they're in, you know, if they can make it through the playoffs before they go out and make, make their signings. But um, it will certainly be interesting. When we uh, got together about starting off this pod, we were actually going to talk today um, or, or last week about the Warren Point um Dungannon playoff so that's actually just this afternoon they have announced dates for that um so that's potentially going to be the 30th of may and saturday the 3rd of june but again that that depends on the decision so we'll not go into to too much too much about that but potentially you know we're, we're still waiting uh to find out whether or not warm point are going to be in that playoff but um you mentioned there as well, Dean, Dean Shields. So, um, Dungannon, in my opinion, lucky to to have not avoided straight relegation. I mean, I think if the league had went on any longer, I think Portadown had picked up a good bit of momentum there. Um, we saw a bit of Irish League behaviour at the weekend there. Fair play to the Glenavon fans. Um, they did like a mock funeral for Portadown. They had a red coffin there <laughs> celebrating their rival's relegation. But I think a lot of people will, will miss Portadown. You know, it was mentioned there when Lauren won the league. First time the league's left Belfast since 2002 when Portadown were the winners. So Portadown do have a lot of history. Um, had their admin errors, which has cost them relegations before. But this time they've went down fair and square. Um, we'll wrap things up for today's pod. A um, couple more local stories. So we've got Ivan Sproul, 42 years old, former Rangers player. Um, 
scored in the Junior Cup for his local side, Dirdview. So tell us a bit about that, Josh, um, about the game. Yeah, um, obviously, you know, I had a I had a friend who was at that game, and yeah, he was uh, he was texting me updates, and he he texted me Ivan Sproul has just made it one 0 Dirdview, and I uh, I sort of stopped for a moment. I was on the train. Um, and and into London for the Wolfsburg game, and I, I sent them back a question mark. Ivan and then Ivan Sproul has scored for Derby. I'm thinking, is he still playing football? So you know, hey, look, incredible, like incredible, yeah. that he, incredible that he's gone to he, he, Windsor Park and 42 yeah. years of age, and I think he scored twice, didn't he? He did indeed, yeah. I mean, for, yeah. For, any, for any of the younger listeners, Ivan Sproul scored a hat-trick for Hibernian against Rangers in 2005. Now, famously at the time, a lot of his family were in the Rangers end and he had just scored a hat-trick for Hibs. But, yeah, you know, he went on to play many times for Northern Ireland, scored a few key goals for him as well. But, yeah, st- still playing and, you know, do- doing well, giving a bit of success to his local team, Derview. Um, another one as well i just like to mention is Connor Bradley and again it goes back to when we're discussing Sunderland and how a player can get the right loan move. Now Liverpool will probably um, be looking to get their players loaned out to Bolton again because Connor Bradley has just got the young player, players player and player of the year hat-trick so that, that's a credit to Connor, but that's also a credit to both Liverpool and Bolton for making that happen and hopefully there's loads of other young players um, we're at a time now where the Northern Ireland have got Michael O'Neill back. Michael renowned for getting the young guys in, getting them capped, um, and obviously taking a close interest in their club careers as well. Now, um, again, you were at the Emirates last night, great crowd, but we also had a great crowd a few weeks ago in the Youth Cup. I think, was it, am I right in saying, Joyce, was it 30,000 or 20,000 were at the Youth Cup final, West Ham versus Arsenal? Um, actually, actually, not sure about the attendance, but I think, obviously I remember the game. I think it was a big crowd, but um, some local interest there. So former Korean player, and uh, as a Korean fan, there is a lot of interest there as well because if Patrick Kelly goes on to play for Northern Ireland and get first team appearances for West Ham, Korean will will benefit benefit financially for that. But he was involved along with. Um, uh, Cal Marshall and Josh Briggs as well. So three Northern Ireland youth internationals all involved as West Ham won the Youth Cup, which is great to see. And I know David Moyes does have a big affiliation with Northern Ireland. He's always over at the Milk Cup and things like that as well. So great, great to see uh, these players involved. And I think there is some interest and a few other um, Northern Ireland players as well. You mentioned um, Daniel Ballard as well at Sunderland. Um, that's another one. Am I right in saying he used to be on Arsenal's books or, or yeah. do, do you own him out right now? Yeah, we own him out right now, but he obviously yeah. we signed we signed him from Arsenal on a permanent in, in the summer. Um, but going into that West Ham that cup final, you know they have like you said you've got Josh Briggs and and Callum Marshall and, and Patrick Kelly, but they also have another boy from North Ireland um, called Michael Forbes, uh, plays for Dungannon. So that uh, played for Dungannon. So that they, yes. they have like. West Ham have the you know they have scouts over here now. Sean Moore from Clippenville, a very very you know young player of the year in, in the Northern Irish League this year. Sean Moore looks uh, from Clippenville being a really really exciting prospect for the Reds this year. But he looks like he's going to make that move to West Ham this summer. I think it's the perfect move for him as well because he has you know those boys over there already. So he sort of like he feels a bit like home um, with with boys from there, but. 
one player I would, I would, I would like to talk about, Gareth, is, is Callum Marshall. Um, you know, he's been absolutely electric for, for the Hammers. The, yeah. the goal, the, like he's just he's scoring goal after goal after goal. He looks sharp. Um, yeah, like such a, like, we, we, uh, you know, Northern Ireland in, in recent years after Healy have struggled with strikers, and I think Callum Marshall could be the next big one on the block. And I don't want to put too much pressure on the kid because you know he's he's a young boy and, he, and he's developing, but. You know, if if you look at his goals this season, I think there's a very very special talent in there. Yeah, no, it's 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 really refreshing to to, to read. I didn't see the game, but it's really refreshing to read about these things online. And like I said, the knowing knowing the the interest David Moyes has in the youth team, I really hope he stays along West Ham. Could be a historic season for them this year. Um, what what it was, you know, there's pictures Declan Rice and all the other the other West Ham first team went to watch that. So West Ham, you know, good good traditions there with with their youth team. Like I said, at the Milk Cup, um, and Corian as well. You know, Anton Ferdinand, Rio Ferdinand, Joe Cole. So many players come through, um, but it's great to see some, some Northern Ireland players involved as well. We're just going to wrap up the this week's first show. Uh, for anyone listening, um, thanks for taking the time today. Like I said, you can catch um, uh, Josh on Twitter. Um, I was having a look the other day. I think he's made something like 25,000 tweets. Now, I, <laughs> now, that's probably over a long period of time. I thought I was addicted to Twitter, but no, jo- Josh will keep you updated with, with loads of loads of football he watches an enormous amount of football even more than myself um but um keep keep an eye on on josh at bonding football on twitter um join us join us next week where we will find out who has made the playoffs and the championships we'll find out who's closer to relegation uh, in the premier league and we'll also find out who's won the irish cup which like we said will affect who's going to be in the playoffs for european football Uh, next year so thanks for listening um, and we'll see you guys next week